Have you ever thought about starting a business in midlife, dreamed of leaving the nine to five and being your own boss? Or maybe you've already started one and are finding it maybe a little bit tougher than expected. Well, today's episode for, is for you. Dwayne Holland is a third generation entrepreneur and he's a business growth coach and strategist focused on supporting midlife entrepreneurs like yourself. He shares the myths of midlife entrepreneurship, the advantages of starting a business in midlife. And, you know, often we think of it as something that as more of a young person's game, but he does share some really great advantages that all of us in midlife bring to the table. He offers advice and mistakes to avoid when starting a business, and also some of the surprises people often experience when becoming an entrepreneur. Now, Dwayne brings great advice and great perspective to the conversation, and so I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. Be on the lookout also for a podcast that he's launching soon. Are you ready to play bigger in midlife? Well, let's get started. All right. So today's guest, we have Dwayne Holland, also known as Midlife Entrepreneur, if you're on Instagram. So Dwayne, I always like to let my guests introduce themselves a little bit because they always do a better job than I do, frankly. And so uh, how do you introduce yourself to people? What, what, where do you start? What's your elevator pitch? You bet. Usually I have to start out with telling them how tall I am because they always ask that first thing. So just to get that out of the way, I'm six, four and a half, right? So, but basically I grew up in a small town in uh, central Canada and I'm a third generation entrepreneur. And so my grandfather, my dad and myself, and actually my daughter is now an entrepreneur herself and I'm coaching her on that. So that's really exciting. And I always like to tell people the Hollands are entrepreneurs just because nobody wants to hire them. So we have to start our own businesses. <laughs> so yeah, so just being involved in business, loving it, and then starting my own just over 26 years ago and just working with clients for all those years, mostly in brand development side. And then eventually getting into brand coaching and now business coaching for the last, say, eight years or so. And I just, I love helping specifically small businesses. So anybody that's a startup to about, you know, that 10 to 15 employees, $0 to that $1 to $2 million range type of thing. And any, any industry, but I love supporting small town. I love supporting small business. And I just want to be a champion for those folks. And yeah, I, I just love doing that. I'm passionate about it. Well, you know, you know, you, you mentioned you, you had to become business owners because no one would hire you. I, I think there's some truth in that from the entrepreneurs I know for <laughs> yeah. a wide variety of reasons are in many ways unemployable. And I, I do not <laughs> yeah, mean that in a bad way. They sure. have so much energy, so many ideas. They they kind of chafe in having to play in someone else's playground. They need to build a structure around themselves because they their strengths are come with a lot of weaknesses. And when they can build that structure, they can be very, very successful. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, I definitely think that's part of it. It's it's all it's almost like a kid with ADD, right? Like they just got to keep going and trying new things. And that, that will frustrate a supervisor or a boss nine times out of 10, right? Nothing wrong if someone's not an entrepreneur and they're a nine to fiver, right? That's great because we need everybody all over the place and entrepreneurs need people like that to work for them, right? But 
you know, entrepreneurs are willing, they're a little crazy, right? That's how I kind of put it. We, we will use a parachute to jump over the edge, but we'll usually pack it on the way down, right? Like, it's just like no time, just, okay, yeah, I got all the pieces, let's just go, right? And I, you have to be, you, you have to be wise at the same time, but you have to be a little bit crazy in order to jump, right? Yeah. So part of your focus um, is on midlife entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. And I want to talk both about myths of entrepreneurs as well as kind of the, the myths of midlife and where these over overlap, because right. I've joked before that if you go on Instagram or social media, you know, that one of the myths is that like you start your website today and you're standing in front of your Ferrari tomorrow. Like <laughs> if, if you don't have millions by at least the end of the week, you're doing something wrong. Now, yeah, love social media. So what's not true about that myth? And just about other, everything there. Other than all yeah. Of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, um, I, th- I think, you know, from the time when we grew up in the seventies and the eighties to now how things happen so fast. And like, when you talk to, I'll call them the young cool kids and, and, and they're, they say they're, they're getting their starter home and the home's bigger than their starter homes bigger than my house is right now. Right. And they want everything new and they want it fast and stuff like that. And I'm not saying everybody's like that, but society and culture has pushed that. So they, they think that's what they're going to get when they start a business too. Right. And so the news is full, chock full of success stories for the young entrepreneurs that are out there just crushing it and hitting the million. And they started a new tech company and people are throwing gobs of money at them and Google bought them out. And before you know it, they're on a beach and stuff like that. Come midlife, someone's been working for about 20, 25 years, working their nine to five, but they've always had that desire in their heart to start their own business. And they think that's how it's going to work for them. And they maybe leave the nine to five, that safety net, and they realize, wow, this is hard work and it takes more time. For sure it does. It doesn't have to take years and years, but you're not going to be rich overnight. And and it's really important to, to really walk into that eyes wide open and understand you got to build that business. You have to to build the reputation. The nice thing about being a, a midlife entrepreneur is you do already have some reputation with you from the business world, if that's where you've been working. So you can bring your Rolodex as I joke, right? And because I still have one, you bring that Rolodex along and, and you can at least start the ground running there, but it, it takes time and people have to realize that. So yeah, you can get your website up, but as, as I'm learning with digital marketing now, right? And trying to understand that better so I can even help my clients understand that better. It's hard work. I was just telling someone the other day, social media is hard work. You got to be on all the time and you have to be reaching and you have to pay to play as well too. And, and there's a lot of things. Now that shouldn't discourage someone who's got that entrepreneurial passion to go for it. I just want them to know that they have to be ready for that because it's not going to happen overnight. And social media has put kind of this false pretense out there to say, yeah, yeah, you're going to be successful as soon as you get enough likes. Well, that's far from the truth, right? So as as midlifers, like, why do people in midlife start a business? Like somehow they've gone, like you say, you know, 20, 30 years through their career and are just now going, hmm, that sounds like a good thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't even know if, I I think there's a passion there, right? I don't think they they wake up from working 20, 25 years in the financial industry and going, hmm, I think I'll leave this, you know, safety net, this great paycheck and just go do that because that's better. But there's a passion there. And sometimes 
that burning passion actually um, clouds our judgment. <laughs> so it gets us moving that way, right? So that that might have been something. It could also be so that they got tired, right? They realized I've done everything I could in this career, and now I want to do it for myself. Or, you know, I am super tired of having everybody else tell me how to do it, right? You know, and now it's time to do it for myself. Or I've built up such a reputation. Now it's time to do it for myself. Or as we've all experienced this last year and a half, going on to two years now, the pandemic hits and people have gotten laid off. They'll they'll keep some of the younger ones who, who can work around the clock for them. And those who are a little long in the tooth, as we say, or short in the hair are, are moved on, right? And they get that buyout, hopefully. But sometimes that, that's a freedom. All of a sudden now, you've got this new opportunity in front of you and you've always had this passion and actually someone forced you to walk through that door of opportunity, right? With your box all packed up. And, and you might have a, a buyout, you know, a severance package and you go, this is the time. It's time because time's not my friend anymore. So it's time to actually move forward. So I think there's all kinds of neat things that can be happening, right? I've heard of people where they've been in a business for a long time. Some other entrepreneur has started a business, but they've known this person as a colleague, but they realize they need a partner to invest with them, their time, and they'll actually invite them in. There's all kinds of ways that at a certain stage in life, when you've built a really good reputation, when you're 40 to 50, you've you've built a bit of a nest egg, you know, in those years as well, too. There's all kinds of neat opportunities. You're wiser. You've seen the world from, from a different lens. You, you've built your, your, your acumen, right? Your skills, right? In the business, right? Whatever you do, whatever you're really good at. And all of a sudden there's this neat package that starts coming together and everything aligns where if you're a true entrepreneur, you'll start seeing those signals and being able to take action on that opportunity. One of the myths around entrepreneurs and midlife that I suspect is kind of prevalent is like, you know, that that's for the young kids, right? Like I, because you were yeah. mentioning what gets the attention are the Silicon Valley startups. You know, the person starting a flower shop doesn't get a lot of attention or becoming, you know, an online coach or whatever they're doing. When we think of startups, when we think of new businesses, at least my brain, just from the media I consume, it goes to kind of young, big dollars being thrown at it, venture capital, all that, which is not really what we're talking about. And yet the other day I saw you had a post and I will get the numbers wrong, but it was something like, the, the majority of entrepreneurs or new businesses are started by people in their what, late 40s? Yeah, 45 is the average for, for a startup. Yeah, across North America. I don't know if that's a world stat or not type of thing, but it, but it is amazing. And it shocks people because, as I call it, the, the young startup entrepreneur, the cool kids, as I call them, they, they get all the attention, right? And it's exciting. And they might have faster growth sometimes in a specific sector. But actually, the more steady growth is usually from a, a midlife entrepreneur. And also, the other stat is 30% or, or midlife entrepreneurs actually have a 30% higher uh, success rate than a 25-year-old. And that's neat. And sorry to hurt the young egos, but that's actually the fact. And it's because we bring that wisdom, that knowledge, the years of resources and time management. We've done all that, right? And we know how to kind of move forward in a different way, right? And it's there's nothing against different ages starting businesses. It's just there's there's advantages to being young when you start a business, and there's advantages to being midlife when you start a business. Well, and I th- I think that's really important to recognize because. I find people I talk to and all that it's easy to get to midlife and feel the disadvantages, you know, I, 
don't have as much energy, want to spend more time focused on family, you know, got kind of a comfortable life built up around me, whatever it is. And yet, as you mentioned, there are so many great advantages to this age, more wisdom, a much better network. I mean, just when I compare myself to myself at 25, like, you know, I've I've got more capital, I've got more resources, I know more people, I've got way more skills. Absolutely. Um, I, I have far less ego and am better able to deal with people than I was at 25, you know, yep. you know, they're, they're, they're yep. speaking your mind and then they're speaking your mind tactfully. And I hadn't learned the tactfully part yet back then. I was there. <laughs> I was there. Get my size 13 in my mouth quite often. Yeah. <laughs> so a lot of good advantages. Now, what do people need to know about starting a business? So I'm guessing folks listening to this episode are are kind of already there. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm either I'm midlife, I'm thinking hard about starting a business just for all the reasons we've mentioned, or have already started a business and, you know, are kind of feeling that dip that we all get, the enthusiasm wanes once the real hard stuff sets in, or, you know, they've, you know, kind of had a business going for a while in midlife and, and just want to want to step it up. And I realize that's like three very broad demographics there, but yeah, well, that's the three, that's the three that I, I work with. Right. So start starting a business. There's a whole set there when, when you're first starting out, if you've never done it before, or I call them early stage entrepreneurs, right. They're maybe in year one or two and they're not really getting the traction. Right. So there could be that there, there's also those who are midlife and their business is midlife. And their dreams become a nightmare, right? And because the 83% of entrepreneurs in North America are, are living in poverty, we're actually not making a profit, right? And that's very sad. But there, there's those two groups type of thing that are, are struggling and need to rethink, you know, how they're either going to start a business or to retool their existing business, right? So if they're starting out, it's just really important to start first off with, with identity and purpose, Really knowing who you are, right, and what you have to offer to the world, right? Those skills, those talents, you know, those that years of experience type of thing. The scars that you have on your knees from falling. And that, and back to one of the other comments you had is, I think that's what, what is so wonderful about midlife entrepreneurs is they understand what it means to fail. They failed many times in different things in their life, whether it's business, career, sports, marriage, whatever. And, and they've been able to to become stronger because of it, right? If if they took the effort to do that, so that makes them a stronger entrepreneur going forward, right? But when they're first starting out, so working on understanding who they are and why they want to do it. So Simon Sinek made your why really famous, right? And made a lot of books. I wish I would have beat him to the punch, but anyways, it's it's the same thing. Why is no different? It's purpose, right? And that's been around for 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 centuries. Really understanding why you want to do it, who you want to serve, right? And and what's the outcome you want? So you got to start kind of with that foundation. Otherwise, a lot of people just jump into starting a business hoping they're just going to make money. I just want to replace this paycheck, and I need to make money. But if you just jump into a business without a deep sense of purpose, that's going to connect with your identity then you'll go along and you might actually have some success and it might be dumb luck or it just might be you're, you're working hard and you're making some, having success. But one day, and I was there, you'll wake up and go, what the heck? This is not what I signed up for. This is not getting me excited. There's money in the account, but I'm actually not enjoying this anymore. It's not resonating deep down with your, your own identity and your purpose, right? So really start there because 
I, I don't buy into the, Hey, you know, do what you love and you'll never work another day. It's like, yeah, I love what I do. And some days I don't enjoy it. Right. But it will drive you forward and help you sustain. Because if you truly connect with who you are and why you love what you do type of thing, it will move you forward. It'll attract people and it'll be way more rewarding and fulfilling because when you hit midlife, we'll just say there's not a ton of time promised on the other side. Right. And so we have to, to make everything count and we want to leave a legacy. So if you're just out there just to grind and hustle as again, social media, will call it falsely, you will wake up one day as you're getting older and just go, wow, like I've now lost another five years and you don't want to be there. So when you start your business in midlife, make sure it's purposeful on point and you'll be excited and you will make your second half better. As I always say. Yeah. So let me jump in there and, and ask it. And so I, I appreciate that because I do have that sense of mortality that I didn't have when I was 25. Now, you know, like sure. I feel like the runway is kind of getting shorter and there's yeah, less exactly. time like in, in my twenties and thirties, I could leave a job. I could start a business. I could go do stuff. I had a lot of time to recover in my fifties. I, there's just less time to recover. So and I, I don't know if you can answer this because I know every business, every industry, whether it's bricks and mortar, digital, whatever is different. Yeah. But how long should a new entrepreneur plan to be able to go without a paycheck? When you're starting out, <laughs> how many months of resources should you have in the sure. bank just, just to anticipate? Because I think that's a place a lot of us get hung up is like, hey, we'll go start our business. And we've only got money for the first month, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So there you go. That's that's one of the number one mistakes a lot of people do, right? And, and you have to decide, do you want to be an entrepreneur? Can you take the risk? And then that's one of the biggest risks. We've either had a good paycheck or we built up a nest egg. And are you willing to walk away from both of those at some point, right? You know, they say when you go to Vegas, you got to know what you're ready to gamble because there is a bit of a gamble, but you can mitigate that risk. But you need to have, I would say, a minimum minimum of six months in the bank account to, to survive. But I would say it would be great if you, if you could even have closer to a year, that may not be feasible for a lot of people. Right. But when you start thinking, if you're going to self fund this, or you're going to borrow what that would change some of that stuff. Right. But you, you, you know, you don't want to be starting behind the eight ball with no money because you will, you'll die really fast. Cash flow is King and, and you won't survive. Once your business is up and running and you're starting to see some success, the, f- the first goal for me would be saying, get to your first, you know, five figures to, and then six figures. Great. But if you can get it to your first kind of five figures, you know, in that first year type of thing, you're, you're well on your way. Sometimes it can take longer than that. Sometimes you have to treat it as a side hustle before you actually cut the rope, you know, of safety from your nine to five. And that's okay too. Nothing wrong with that. I'm not going to say specifically anybody out there, but there's certain influencers out there that say that's BS, right? That's bamboo shoot. You shouldn't uh, ever have a side hustle. If you're a true entrepreneur, dive in. No, don't listen to those guys, right? A side hustle is okay because you're testing the market and you still got an income. Then your business, actually any money it makes, you can kind of keep it reinvested in the business. Once the business is going, you want three months in the bank account for any time. Some, some folks like uh, Donald Miller will say five to six months. And if a small business can do that, that's bonus because then that helps you weather the storm. 
all of a sudden COVID hits and maybe it's affected by your business in a negative way or something like that, recessions or whatever, they do come. Then you can actually survive for that little bit and keep your business afloat and not stop marketing. One of the biggest mistakes that any rookie entrepreneur does, as soon as times get tight, they stop marketing. It's like when you stop marketing, you you put your head in the sand and you then expect to come out on the other side and people still know about you, right? So so yeah, you need you need to have some cash in the bank to start. And as you're going along, start squirreling it away so you have that uh, reserve of three months to even up to six months to to feed off of in case you you hit a bump or some of your product line goes bad and you actually have to you know pony up a little bit. I've done that before where you've you've had to you know pay for mistakes, right? It happens. Yeah, in fact, uh, that's one of the things I think we often miss is the just idea that there are downturns because yeah. like recessions are coming. They they just are. They always do. They're, <laughs> and, they're still yeah. And, and we forget that just something about human nature. We think when everything's going up, it's always going to be this way. And as soon as it turns, we feel like no one will ever be successful ever again. And, you know, it's just weird human psychology. So there is a, an entrepreneur, Sasha Popovich. He has a company called Vega IT. They actually, fascinating, they had applied all the principles from Jim Collins' book, Great by Choice. Sure. Great and, book. And so when times were good, they actually limited their growth because they didn't want to outgrow what they could do. And so when everything shut down from the pandemic, they were actually able to keep going. Like without a downturn, they had plenty of reserves. They weren't overextended on anything. And while everyone else stopped marketing, they were able to ramp up and actually grow their business during that time. Now, his is kind of a a really cool business in that they grew 30% a year without a sales team for quite a while. Amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. And and some industries you will run into that it's just like the right time, the right opportunity and boom, it's, it's good. Yeah. Uh, but that's not the majority for someone starting a small business flower shop or whatever. Right. Yeah. And, and, and he was, they had been in it 10 years at that point. Like that right. was, okay. you know, okay. that, wow. There you go. Okay. Um, they had just done a very nice job of how they built their business, but just that in mind that there will be downturns. There will be things we yeah. just don't expect, you know, our hot water heater blows up and we need to get cash. Exactly. <laughs> and so that, that idea of just having reserves, um, Easy to forget when we're excited about starting a business and yet yep. so important. So what else? So like, I just, just kind of thinking, you know, as, as we're starting out, people have this business idea. You mentioned side hustle to kind of test it a little bit, but how do we approach that? Like, we've got this idea. We want to go do this business. Maybe it's in the industry in, we're in, or maybe we realize we don't really even like the industry we're in. And so, you know, we're, we're passionate about something else and we want to go do that. How do you even begin? And maybe the folks you work with are already established, but I am curious, like, oh. If I'm sitting in a cubicle, 55 years old going, this sucks. I want more for my life. I've always wanted to do a business. Now's the time. Where do they even start? Okay. I'm going to sound like a broken record, but this is what I'm known for as well. Not the broken record part, but uh, talking about purpose is if they're sitting in their cubicle and not sure where to turn and actually don't like their industry, it's okay because they've still learned a lot of amazing skills in that time that they've been in that industry. They just now have to think creatively how to apply those in a different way. But I tell people to start with purpose. So an entrepreneurial purpose, not life purpose. That's amazing if they both can connect. Mine has connected, but entrepreneurial purpose. Well, so I, I let, let me jump in there, Dwayne, yeah. and ask you, what do you mean by entrepreneurial purpose? Like make money, right? Well, I, I think you're thinking beyond that. So. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> exactly. And, and, and I'll, I'll walk through it, but, but it is. Yeah. So if you're going to be an entrepreneur, 
and, and you want to be purposeful, you have to make sure then then your 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 business plan works together that way. So it's two sides of the coin. You want profit, right? Because otherwise, why get into business for yourself, right? And purpose. Otherwise, if it's just all just all pit and no purpose, the day that they will wake up like I, like I did on this is not fun anymore. I've lost my way, right? And when you lose your way, you lose your why, right? Or, or if it's all if it's all this and no profit, your accountant's going to tell you you're not for profit. <laughs> you know, like it's, you need to have both and a good healthy balance of that. So I say start with your 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 the four P's of purpose. I call them. So the first one is what are you passionate about? What do you deeply care about? What gets you excited? And, and I'm not talking. You know, I'm excited about watching movies on Netflix. Yeah, it's probably not a good business idea, right? That's just my pastime, right? But what are you passionate about? Okay. Then what are you proficient at? What are you actually good at? Are you skilled at, right? What do people know you for, right? What kind of wisdom and stuff like that? Then what problem out there can you solve or what people can you serve? That those kind of ideas of there's a whole, they call it the gap in the marketplace. There's something out there. That's it's a problem and it needs to be solved. I need to fill that hole. And the last one is a plan to make a profit, right? You have to have a plan. If you miss any one of those, you won't be able to, to sustain yourself, you know, short of dumb luck, right? Or whatever like that. But if you're not passionate about it, you could be good at it. There could be a need out there, a problem, right? And you have a plan and you're, you're making money. But if you're not passionate, that's when you wake up one day and you just go, I'm out. Like this is not driving me anymore. Right. And then that becomes dangerous. You can be passionate about something and not good at it. Right. And you're going to have troubles. So I love food, but you don't want me cooking. So I'm not going to open a restaurant. Right. Cause I, botulism is not really a good thing. Right. You know, so, so then that's missing. Right. Okay. I could be passionate about it. I could be good at it. So I love under water basket weaving. I'm really good at it but there's not really a need out there for it. It doesn't seem like a lot of people want it, right? So you go around. And the last is, if you don't have a plan, put a plan together and it's not a, a profitable plan type of thing, you can do all these wonderful things and you're serving people and you're getting fulfilled and your bank account's dying and you'll be out of business in no time. So those four need to work together at all times. So that's where I say, start there. You unplug, you, you go on a little retreat, you know, before you quit your job, right? You talk to family, find out, if they'll affirm, you say, well, I'm thinking about this and you, and they're going, yeah, we've always told you you're good at that. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. Thank you. You know, that's awesome. You go and unplug, you go on a, some retreat, whether you like to meditate, pray, I don't care, uh, navel gaze, whatever it is, you're going and you're thinking about this now and start to kind of process a little bit more. And then you start putting up, doing your research to see if that there's a true need out there for it, finding out the competitors, do that SWOT analysis and everything, then put that plan together. Whether it's a plan for you to self-fund or a plan to go to the bank to get funding, right? You need to put a business plan together and it has to line up. It doesn't have to be perfect, but it has to be thought out for anybody to, to hear you, listen, and support you. And that might be your spouse, right? You know, or your, or your life partner, whoever it is to say, yeah, it's crazy, but I believe in you and I believe in this. And yeah, we, we can use our nest egg to go forward, right? You need to do that. So that's where I start. And it's really putting a business plan together, but not just the number side of it. That sometimes is the easy part because you got to be passionate about it and you got to make sure that people out there really care what you're going to offer. I, I know it's long-winded, but, but that's what I believe. 
Well, what are some of the surprises people experience when they go out and start a business? So one of them that I, that I know just as an example is that when you're a business owner, so like, and so you mentioned being, being a chef, you love cooking and you're good at it and you go start, start a restaurant, you know, a lot of people are then surprised to find out they also need to now suddenly be at least a semi-expert in, you know, law, accounting, marketing, yeah, absolutely, <laughs> which is nothing that they were passionate about or cared about, or really maybe even had any knowledge of. So that's one surprise out there. Yep. What are some other surprises that people find when, yeah, they get all this lined up, they go start the business and then just, you know, Instagram didn't tell them that this was going to happen. Yeah. I, I think one of the biggest surprises is um, competition. Even if you know what's out there, it's, it's something that can take the wind out of your sails really quickly and it'll catch you off guard if you're not ready for it or if you take things too personally. So by midlife, I'm hoping you got thicker skin, right? You, you, you've had some knocks in life, right? And, and you're able to roll with it or heal from it and learn from it, right? But if you go in and you've got propensity to, to be wounded quite easily, competition will just eat you up. Even if they don't even care about you or even know about you, you will take it as like, especially social media, say, oh, they're doing that. And all of a sudden you feel like you're missing out or not doing enough. And I've been there, done that. And I actually, something I got to check off quite often, right? So you have to know your competition really well. And they'll be surprised that they they don't need to know that. It's just like, oh, I'm going to go out there and I'm opening my my doors and I'm putting the sandwich board out here and everybody's going to love me. And they're going like, oh, but they love everybody else beside them. Right. And so that leads into the next thing is, you know, understanding your competition and, and being able to have the thick skin to compete but then being able to position yourself as unique in that space, right? So we call it brand position, right? To uniquely separate yourself from your competition. Because again, a lot of people, this would be another one, is they think, we ask them, who's your customer? And they go, well, anybody with a heartbeat in a wallet. Say, like, oh, let's narrow that down a little bit, right? And what are you uniquely offering? Well, I, I, I have a flower shop. Okay. There's like a million of them here in town, right? So what makes you different? Okay. We do weddings. Okay. What beyond that go down and you really have to work hard to build that niche or as you call it in the States niche, right? And uh, so really set yourself apart and be able to, to understand your competition and truly understanding your audience. That would, you know, as I'm rambling along here is like, well, that's one of the biggest things is really understanding your audience at a super deep level, not just saying, they're, you know, 35 to 75, that, that doesn't cut it, right? You really have to know, like, what do they care about? What, what actually keeps them up at night? What are the different things in their life? As, I'm, as I am now focusing my efforts on the midlife entrepreneur, because I've worked with entrepreneurs of all ages for many years, now I have to, as I'm midlife myself, but I have to look and watch these different groups to understand what are they going through in their life and what's the trigger points for them that's going to affect their purchase decisions. Right. So that's really important. So I think a lot of people starting out, those are the things that they're surprised about. Those are the things that they don't think about. Right. Uh, along with, like you said, the legal and the accounting and different things. But, but those things you can solve by surrounding yourself with experts. Get a good accountant, get a good lawyer. Don't try to do that stuff on your own. Big mistake. Right. Don't do your bookkeeping on your own. Trust me, that's from my own mistakes. Don't do that. It gets you in a world of hurt because you don't want me to be adding up the beans. That's just the wrong thing to do. But the competition, understanding your customers and understanding your offer, man, that's that's just magic when you can really get there, right? 
Well, I want to talk about uh, a different type of business as well, because something you said triggered it, and that is a lot of solopreneur service businesses where, you know, I am the business. So coaches, that's the first one that comes to mind. A lot lot of consultants where it's just them. Absolutely. But really it's service oriented and it is typically one person and it can be really easy to confuse yourself for the business because in one sense you are the business, but another sense you are not the business and ego can get wrapped up. And you mentioned, you know, having a thicker skin and kind of being able to separate out I don't know. What what advice do you have for people who, how do you separate when you are the business, but the business is also something separate? If I, I Now, speaking of rambling, I'm rambling now, hoping that question okay. makes sense at all. It, it, it does, but, but I'll agree to disagree with you. All right, when you're right. a solopreneur specifically, and it's more service oriented, you can't, I know your audience doesn't see my hands, so <laughs> you, you can't, you can't separate them. You are the business. You are the brand, right? And, and that's really important. What you need to, and so, and that's a good thing though, because that's what people are buying. They're buying the trust in you and your knowledge of what you bring to the table. If you're opening a flower shop, okay, or a donut shop or a, a auto mechanic shop, then you can maybe get a little bit more separation um, because you probably got some staff, right? So now you're building a business brand, but your entrepreneurial brand is still important and they go side by side, and you can have some level of separation. But when you're a solopreneur, and it's more in the consulting and coaching, it is you. But what you need to separate, though, is when you need to turn off work, right, and turn off the business. Because a lot of those folks, coaches and consultants, most often will be working from home, right? And there's that that hard, you know, life work balance, right? That's always elusive, right? So they have to be able to separate that. But, you know, most consultants, most coaches will go by their own name for their business. Like I do. I used to have all kinds of different brand names for the different businesses I've had. And and I'm like a serial entrepreneur. Right. But so when I had staff and stuff like that, because then there's exit strategies, but when you're by yourself, um, it's so close together. And and that's what you bring in that your own personal touch and your own personal passion and your personal expertise to the business. uh, It's really hard to separate. Well, and I guess I'm thinking around the, the, the maybe the ego part of it. So, and maybe okay. speak, speak from personal experience here, because yes, you are the face of your brand, but if you're selling flowers and someone doesn't like your flowers, so what? They don't like flowers. If you're selling yourself and they don't like the service, it can be harder to separate the, 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 the <laughs> yeah. service from me. Absolutely. Um, and And yet on some level, it's not always a rejection of us. It's a rejection of, of kind of the service piece. And I guess the other place I'm thinking that the ego gets wrapped up is for me anyway, it's much easier to sell something that's not me. Like I struggle to sell yeah. myself. And sure. I suspect a lot of people are there because for just all kinds of psychology stuff and where it's easy to go, wow, this is the best flower ever. You'll love it. A little harder to say, but I'm the most awesome person. I'm the bestest coach, you know? Yeah. And, and I, I realize it's just weird human psychology and ego things. And yet to be successful, it appears it's helpful if we can kind of break our ego from our business in some way. Anyway, again, yeah. a long question, Dwayne, but just jump in and give us a brilliant answer. It, it is tricky. It, it, it will always be personal, right? It's how you deal with it that I think is really important and how you can you can take the constructive criticism, we'll call it, or, or the people that just chirp off on social media and stuff like that. You've got to be able to... I guess distance your 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 
your emotion from some of that because you won't be able to distance yourself because you you are the brand, right? Right. But what's really important is also not to build yourself up that it's about you. You know, I I I, I coach my clients that it's to, to make your business about your audience. It's their story and you're the guide, especially when you're a consultant or a coach, right? And if anybody's re- re- read Donald Miller's books, right? And the story brand guide and everything like that, it's about making um, the, the customer the hero, right? So when you do that a little bit and you bring yourself down a notch humility wise, and you're not out there just saying, I'm the best thing since sliced bread, <clears throat> You know, you, you want to position yourself as the expert, but you can do that in, in a humble approach as well, too. And I think that you mitigate the risk of taking some of those shots, right? And so then quickly, people will either distance themselves from you realizing, oh, that's not, you're not speaking to me. So actually, I'm not attracted to you for your service. And they'll check out before you actually, you know, start working with them. Or then you'll position yourself as this guy, this guru that's going to help them win in life or in their own businesses, and you'll track them and they're going to say, you are the best thing since sliced bread. They'll tell you that. You don't tell everybody that, right? So those are some ways, I guess, to to, to balance it, right? And it, it's just, yeah, like you said, it's, it's about ego and pride and we all have that and it pops up and, and it's hard and it's personal. But I think, again, if you can not thick skin just to just deflect, but to process and understand, because if you are being attacked, find out why, because maybe, maybe you aren't doing the best job, right? Or maybe you're trying to sell to the wrong people. But when you can really understand who you're trying to sell to and lift them up and actually you're there to serve them, those people, they'll sing your praises for you. You won't have to do that. I, I do like the phrase personal. And I think that's kind of what I, what I was searching for. Just, you know, it's business, it's not personal. And yet when it's our business and it's about us, it can be really hard to just draw that line clearly. Absolutely. Um, and, yeah. and I don't know that that's a bad thing, but I do suspect people get caught off guard by that and kind of, kind of get stuck there. And social media again, like I love social media for, for the benefits it brings. Right. But it also brings some of that stuff where, where that it heightens that, right. It heightens that feeling like, okay, yeah, I'm a target or I'm not feeling like I measure up and I got imposter syndrome and all those kind of things. Right. And so it, it, yeah. And you get strangers out there that either can poke and jab and they don't know you and that that's where it stings a little bit. And so you've got to be able to turn that off at a certain time of the day and just relax, right. And, and decompress and start your day in a healthy way. That's not social media first right? I always encourage people. It's like, do what you need to do. You need to read, run, jog, walk, meditate, whatever it is type of thing. So you can center yourself on your goals for the day, not on what people are chirping about on social media, because you'll start your day off wrong. Well, as we start wrapping up here, Dwayne, one of the things I'm curious about, because we were talking about this before we started recording, and that is just kind of the, the upsides of midlife. Like I do talk about the downsides sometimes for, for contrast, but I mean, from my perspective, this is the best time of life and mm-hmm. hopefully whatever stage we're life in, we feel like is the best stage of life, you know, because right. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's the one sure. we're in. So like we can all list off the downsides, you know, before we started recording, you mentioned at 40, suddenly you need glasses. I experienced the same thing, you know, like <laughs> yeah. just 
biologically your body goes like you had your shot, man. You're on your own now. <laughs> I'm done. And you know, so suddenly I used to have, you know, better than 2020 vision. And now I have to have multiple pairs of reading glasses spread out throughout my life. Tell and, me about it. <laughs> you know, it's not in the shape I used to be in and it's much harder to get in the shape I used to be in. And it hurts a lot more to, to do that. And just, you know, that there are changes we all go through and yet and yet, you know, we wouldn't be talking here today if we didn't feel like midlife is awesome. Like this is a great totally. stage to be in. And so for you, what do you love about midlife? I, I love that I can draw on past experiences and, and enjoy, you know, the nostalgia of, of what I've gone through, right? And that history and that experience and bring that forward, right? And bring that forward in, in, in confidence now. So to me, midlife, it is for me anyways, a time of confidence, confidence in who I am, what I'm good at. Right. And uh, it's hard to be confident about the future because you, nobody's promised tomorrow, but, but confident enough of, of where I feel I'm going. Right. You know, I, I'm, I'm a proponent of a life plan, right? So I've got a life plan. I've got all kinds of things scheduled out type of thing, not scheduled out, but written down. So I go, I'm okay with who I am. I know what legacy I'm trying to leave. And so when I'm six feet under pushing up daisies type of thing, these are the things I'm, I'm going to work hard at to make sure that people are saying about me, not for the accolades, but more that I left that impact. Right. So for me now, midlife though, right in the middle, even I, I call it the messy middle. It's a time of confidence. Even if when there's struggles, confident that I can go, you know what? I've been there, done that actually five, 10 years ago, I, I felt the same way or I hit the same wall and I actually got through that and I'm okay. So that means this time, what I'm feeling right now, whether it's a relationship or finances or whatever, I'm going to be okay. Cause I've learned from that. I got those war wounds and I'm actually going to now retool and be better from it. Right. So midlife brings wisdom experience. And to me, then that you add that together. And if you learn from all those things, it gives you confidence. Right. And I was saying before is I like it that my kids actually look to me for, for some advice, right. Fatherly advice, whatever my daughter with business advice, I've got uh, young colleagues and young business partners on other ventures. They look to me to be that old wise, wise sage. But that's the neat time too, is being able to mentor people at this age where you're just going, wow, I can start giving back. 15 years ago, I didn't feel like I could do that the same way, right? I didn't feel confident in what I had, but I go now, I go, wow, yeah, you, you're, you're actually gifted in these things and you can bless people by actually helping them now go forward. And, and there's a confidence to that and yeah, that, that's the word I keep using is confidence. For those who are thinking, hey, I want to start a business or I've kind of trying to get it off the ground, where can they find you? Yeah, if they go to DwayneHolland.com. And so that's Dwayne, D-W-A-Y-N-E, Holland, just like the country.com. Or on Instagram, uh, you can go to Midlife Entrepreneur on Instagram or Dwayne Holland CA on Instagram as well, too, as well as on LinkedIn, Dwayne Holland. You had mentioned you, you work with, with different folks, but if you could just give kind of a, a quick summary of what services you can provide those who are just starting out, how, how can you best help them? <laughs> yeah, you bet. Yeah, I have a program called Act Two. It's a business accelerator for midlife entrepreneurs. So if they're just starting out, 
It's a 12-week program that I can help them walk through. And we'll, we'll talk from everything from identity, purpose, vision, mission. We'll talk about getting their brand position. We'll talk to them about the, the business and the finances. And we'll talk to them about sales and marketing and get them ready to launch so they can start making their first five to six figures um, from there. So that's where I'll help those folks and uh, pretty excited about that. All right. Nice. So yeah, everything we've been talking about, if you've been wondering, okay, that sounds good. How do I do that? Sounds like it's all kind of wrapped up right there in those 12 weeks. Yeah, you Uh, bet. Well, Dwayne, this has been awesome. I love talking about entrepreneurship. I love talking about midlife. And so when we bring them together here, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for being on today. It's fun. Thanks, Brock, for having me and for putting up with my rambling and old dad jokes, but it's been fun hanging out with you. And I really appreciate what you're doing for your audience. Well, thank you for listening. You know, we now have listeners in 41 countries and the number keeps increasing, which really excites me that this message of creating a phenomenal midlife resonates not just in one location, but around the world. And this podcast continues to grow primarily from word of mouth. So please keep sharing episodes with people you love, with your family, with your friends. You know, you used to have to have a a podcast app to listen to and share podcasts, but now you can just ask Alexa or Siri to play Midlife Mastery. The audio is also always available on YouTube, Spotify, as well as all the regular podcast apps. So there are plenty of convenient ways to listen and share. Also, if you enjoyed the episode, please leave a quick review at www.lovethepodcast.com forward slash Midlife Mastery. That's lovethepodcast.com forward slash Midlife Mastery. Your reviews lets me know what you really enjoy about the show so that I can keep improving it and also helps others learn about the show as well so more people can create a phenomenal midlife.